Today, I am so excited to introduce you to Natasha of Soul Studio. Natasha is a super talented Instagram strategist and educator, and I have been following her on Instagram for several months now, and it would be an understatement to say I am obsessed. She is such a great communicator, such a great educator, and has so many amazing tips and tricks about Instagram and content creation. I'm constantly learning new things from her. Honestly, I find her brand so impressive and professional, yet so authentic and down to earth. She's one of those people that when you follow her, you just feel like you're friends. She really does come across as a ray of sunshine on your Instagram feed, which fits her yellow and sunny brand so perfectly. Today we're going to be talking with Natasha about her journey of starting Soul Studio, how she balances client work with launching and digital products, her strategy behind planning a launch and making big moves in her business, and she'll be giving us some of her favorite tools and strategies for doing what she does. This was such a fun episode to film. Honestly, I was so excited to get to meet Natasha and chat with her, and I'm so glad that I'll be able to share it with all of you. Welcome to the Creator Club Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Steckley, YouTube creator and creative entrepreneur. The Creator Club Podcast is a workshop-style show dedicated to teaching creators and entrepreneurs the best strategies for social media marketing and content creation. Whether you're into Instagram, creating on YouTube, trying TikTok, or producing podcasts, this show is made for you. And because here at Creator Club, we believe in teaching everything you know, and that community is more important than competition, this club is open to everyone. Come and join us. All right, welcome to the Creator Club podcast, Natasha. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. To dive in, would you mind letting everybody know what has your creative journey looked like so far? How have you become the super successful creative freelancer that you are now? I mean, I could go on about how much I admire the work that you do and your social media presence. So I want to know a little bit about the story behind how that all came together. How did you get started and uh, create Soul Studio? What What's the story? Yeah, thank you so much. But it started actually when I was still in college. I was 21 and I was kind of having that crisis. I feel like every college student has where it's like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? And I kind of was thinking to the experiences that I had while I was in college. Like I really liked helping small businesses. I loved writing. Um, And I had an internship um, during college and she had an online business, which I had never heard of. And she did digital marketing and she had kind of like encouraged us that if we wanted to build our own dreams, we totally could. And so that kind of stuck with me and actually inspired me to, you know, branch off and start Soul Studio. So I started building my brand. I got my first few clients like using Upwork and all these random freelancing websites. And then I've been full-time ever since. And I, I just love it. That's awesome. I, I feel like I have a million questions about that story, but I'll start with this one. The, the thing that's always stood out to me about your your brand and your online presence is just how visually beautiful everything is. It's, mm. it, it happens to strike this balance between like very authentic and real. Like I feel like I know you and I know your personality, but it's also so put together and like professional and just very like aesthetic. So I'm curious, like you obviously are very skilled at graphic design as well as like social media marketing and entrepreneurship. So I'm curious about the visual branding. Like how did you learn that whole 
graphic design side of it and then figure out how to like present yourself in such an authentic yet professional way. I know there's like a million questions in there, but. (laughs) Yeah. And I I love that that's the feeling that comes across because that's definitely my goal with my brand. Um, It's had, my grid has had a few different looks, but I feel like I really love how it's kind of become very organic, but still very yellow and still very polished. Um, and when it came to like the branding for Soul Studio, I just whipped together the little illustrator knowledge I knew because I knew I wanted sun rays around the S. I don't know why that was like my vision and I knew I wanted very yellow. Um, so that's kind of how like my brand came together, but it kind of went through like a rebranding and revamping and just repolishing like the more my business grew because I kind of just bootstrapped things. I didn't hire a designer at first. I kind of just figured out what I knew. Um, and it's actually ironic because now, with my Instagram, you know, I manage content for clients. So I do create a lot of the graphics. I love Canva. I love a lot of simple tools because I actually feel like I'm kind of more on the creative writing side. Like I love caption writing and strategy and video and stuff. Um, So I actually now have a designer that helps me with a lot of my graphics on my grid. And it has honestly been helping me be more creative. Um, So thinking of creative briefs, thinking of ideas that we can kind of take her amazing skill set with illustration and bring it together with my ideas um so I know that's something that like a lot of my followers are like oh like how do you like make all your amazing designs and I'm like I actually outsource it now because I feel like it actually helps me create better content yeah I think that is like so wise I feel like knowing when to outsource is one of the most important parts in like the journey of entrepreneurship was that like a hard decision for you or did you just come to a point where you're like yes I I need to hire someone like I feel like when you, you started as a solo entrepreneur it's hard to know when to like pay for somebody else's work because you're so used to doing stuff yourself. Yeah. And I feel like I had had the mindset of just being super scrappy and doing everything that I could by myself. And I think that served me well for a while. And I think a lot of times I kind of held that badge of being a solopreneur, like so tightly where I was like, I don't want to outsource. Like I love being a solopreneur and doing it all myself. Um, but it kind of was in the back of my head when I was in the second year of my business, which actually happened like a year ago. Now I've had my team for about a year. It kind of all happened at once. I hired three people like in a span of a month. I was kind of crazy, but I, it actually happened. We, me and my partner, we took a trip to Barcelona and while I was there, I got this huge announcement that I was a possible speaker for an event. And so of course I'm like, I need votes. I'm like freaking out. I'm sending emails and posting when I was supposed to be on vacation. And I was like, okay, this is when I started to notice like there's things that I can do, but for like the lifestyle that I want, I need to start learning how to let it go and delegate. So then the designer was the first person and then I got an assistant and then I was like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. So then I got a podcast manager and it kind of just went from there. I think I, I realized how much it freed up my time and energy. And I think the most important thing is, is making sure that you're outsourcing things that move the middle forward, but also Mm -hmm. being sure that you can actually maintain it financially because you want your team to be with you for the long run. Um, and it doesn't mean like having a team doesn't have to be expensive, but you have to be sure you're like keeping that in account with your monthly expenses and everything, which I feel like I was at the point where I could consider it. Yeah, totally. I feel like when it comes to starting to outsource and build the team, there's like two pieces to it in my mind. One is that it's intimidating to feel like, okay, I'm responsible for paying these people. I need to make sure that I'm getting the client work coming in and whatever in order to continue that relationship. But then there's also like the mindset side of it where 
I also felt like, oh, I'm a solopreneur. I do everything yeah. by myself. And it, it felt like a badge of honor to be like, yeah, I, I do everything. Um, yep. But it does really hold you back in a lot of ways to not accept the help of other people. Totally. And I love how you touched on both of those things, because that's actually something with the pandemic that kind of brought me to thinking like, it's important to have emergency fund for you. It's important to have emergency fund for your business. And I was like, now that emergency fund needs to go towards having a team. So I know I can still pay them even if I'm not getting paid or something happens. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a really, but I think it's also a really great opportunity to like see all the lives that you can impact and, you know, businesses that you can support and it's kind of just like this awesome cycle, but the mindset shift of delegating is such a big one. And I, I realized really quickly that, you know, people can't read your mind, which seems so obvious, but communicating and giving people grace and understanding things take time and a process. And that sometimes you have to adapt to them, um, was definitely a learning curve. Cause I remember like the first few projects, like they would do it and then I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to do it. And I'll just edit it. And I'm like, no, like I need to like communicate and explain what I need. Like it's definitely a mindset shift for sure. Totally. Do you have any like strategies that you've learned over the past year of doing the communication? Cause I think it can be really hard. We get so used to doing everything ourselves and we know the way we like to do it. So how did you learn to create those creative briefs? Like you were mentioning or give instructions on the things that you wanted to have done. Yeah, I think it's partially listening. So realizing like what resonates with them, what instructions do they need, what guidance do they need, but also where do they need the freedom to do their own thing. Um, And then I think it also came down to just like shifting my mindset around it, I think, and just over communicating. Um, Like when I started to kind of give away little tasks for client work, that was really hard for me to do. But I just over communicated. I was like, so this is this and this is that. And I'm like, and do you need more information for me? Like, do you feel like you had enough like reviewing things and just like having that open communication, I think is really key with whatever types of tools you're using for your different team members. So I would imagine having a team is kind of a part of this. Um, but I'm curious, like what you put into it as well. You are so consistent on Instagram. I'm like always blown away by like it's quality and quantity. You know, I always feel like I have to sacrifice one or the other, but you're just over over delivering like so consistently. And it just like keeps me hooked, always coming back for your posts. So, and, and like, obviously you're an Instagram guru. So do you have advice about how to cultivate that consistency? Maybe part of it is getting help from people. Maybe you have other tips as well. How have you made that, um, made that happen for your brand? Yeah. So I think outsourcing graphics has helped. Um, But I think the biggest thing I always tell like my strategy clients that are struggling with staying consistent is like create a system that works for you and add on when you need it. Like I didn't start out the gate, you know, doing stories daily and doing my feed and I do TV and lives and all these things. Like I gradually added them on and I made sure they were always intentional and like serving a purpose in my content strategy. Um, I think batching definitely helps. I try to schedule my content a few weeks out. Um, I'm a lot more flexible with my own content versus like my clients. But I think knowing that next week's content is already scheduled and ready to go really frees my mind up so I can show up on stories and plan things. Um, And I think the other thing that I do is I always think of things as content. I have a little tab on my phone that I'm 
always adding ideas to. So whenever I sit down to create content, I always have like an overabundance, whether it's like conversations that I'm having in my DMs or comments or what I'm seeing in the news. Um, so those, those things really help me, but I just try to make it sustainable for me because I know it's not sustainable for me to post over five times a week. Um, and it just depends on the season and just preparing, I think really helps. Mm -hmm. And I think like having a strong idea of like what your brand is and what your purpose is can guide that like strategizing, which you definitely seem to have. And I, I relate a lot to like, it's almost easier to do it for clients. I don't know if you like find that where like, I will never miss a deadline with my clients, but like for myself, I'm like, Oh, well, if I miss a week of posting, it's no big deal. And I'm like trying to shift my mindset on that. Have you ever like struggled with that where you're like, okay, the client stuff, like that's real. Cause I'm like getting paid for it, but then it's yeah. easy to like let your own content take a backseat or have you not like had that problem? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like right now I'm in a big growing season where things in my team and my business are shifting a lot. So I have to always like realize that my clients are my first priority, um, which is why I'm a little more flexible with my schedule on Instagram. Um, but I think what's really important, especially for like content creators, social media managers, designers, like really it kind of apply to any type of business is that your Instagram account and you creating and being consistent as a reflection of your work. It's like a portfolio in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I know initially I didn't think I was going to start an Instagram account because like, I don't have time for that. But I know it's a huge key on like moving the needle forward for my own brand and attracting clients. Um, so I think they both have their own priorities, but I definitely struggle with adjusting to it all because it's a lot of content to create. Yes, totally. And I think that there can always be like with imposter syndrome and stuff like that for a lot of freelancers, we take our clients very seriously because it's like, Oh, they're paying customers. Like it's important to, mm-hmm. and like, obviously that that's justified, but then it's easy to like discount ourselves and be like, totally. Oh, well, it's just my Instagram. It's, it's not a big deal. So yeah. I feel like your strategy and your consistency is a testament to like how important it is to stick mm-hmm. to that. Um, Definitely. have you found that throughout the course of your business, um, like your Instagram is bringing in a lot of like client referrals and stuff now, like, has that become a really important part of your, your whole business model? Definitely. And I think that's the thing with Instagram. It's, it's a building block. I think sometimes people think Instagram directly converts in a lot of ways, but I think that people see my Instagram. So they're a lot more likely to hire me. Um, Instagram has also had me create a lot of really awesome connections with like colleagues and people that are in the industry. So I get tons of referrals um, and I get tons of DMS and I feel like I'm always having conversations with people. So they're kind of warming up as leads. So I'd say that most of my clients, you know, referrals definitely do come from Instagram. Um, but I also think as, as social media managers or content creators, you know, any type of business, you have to be conscious of the different types of clients clients that you have. Um, cause my monthly retainer clients look completely different than someone that would buy a course completely different for someone that would buy like a shop item completely different for someone that would maybe want to do one-on-ones with me. Um, so, you know, different parts of your strategy might serve and market to those different types of tiers. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important to note because a lot of times on Instagram, we're all trying to be very niche and figure out who our ideal audience is, which is important. But it's also important to know that your different kinds of offerings might have a different ideal audience. So speaking of that, I just want to say that you have been totally crushing it lately with the launches. I feel like I see you out here like launching your courses and I myself am a very happy student of your stories course. So congratulations on all of that because it's like super well done. I'm curious, like 
how, first of all, you have a lot of different income streams, which is wise. You have your courses, you have your services, you have your shop. How do you, first of all, balance your time between all that, decide what you're going to put effort into when, and then, I mean, maybe after that, we can dive into how you plan a launch. Cause I feel like you're very good at it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I launched my first course, I didn't make any money. So it definitely is a process. And I'm super open to thinking that every single part of your course launch, creation, any type of product, it's a learning process. If you don't make sales, it's not a failure. It means you have to learn and pivot from it, which is definitely what I had to do with my first launch. Um, But juggling it all is really hard. And I think that also goes back to like when we're recording as I'm going through a lot of shifts and changes on how I can get more support with managing all the different parts. But planning is huge with launches. Um, Like I'm about to launch in two, three more months. And I'm already thinking about it, planning content, starting to get prepared for that. Um, So I like to be as ahead as possible with like literally planning what I'm launching each quarter, what everything looks like um, and giving myself time, but also deadlines to create courses. Courses take at least one to three months to make if you're actually putting the effort to making them really great filming, conceptualizing, making slides, making the sales copy, brand messaging. Like there's a lot that goes into it. So I think the biggest thing is like giving yourself the time and planning so you really can be successful with it. But I love passive income. I think that every business should definitely think of how they can have it as a part of their business. But passive doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of effort that goes into it with launching and, you know, funnels and all the different types of stuff. Yes, totally. I feel like whenever I talk about passive income, I always do it with like massive air quotes because it, I think of it more as like scalable income rather than passive because there's a lot of work that goes into course creation or creating digital products for a shop. Um, But it does, it can scale beyond just the amount of time you're putting into it, which is really awesome. I think like a big part of a successful launch or like being able to plan one is also like the confidence that you have in your, in what you're selling. Right. Cause Absolutely. I think if you don't feel super excited and like super great about taking people's money for what you are giving them, then it's going to be really hard to make that sale. And I'll be honest that that's something I've struggled with sometimes with imposter syndrome and like, Oh, like, is this really that valuable? And I think that really like shows then when you are trying to make the, the sale and it's just very clear that you are like very confident in your courses, which is totally justified because they're very high quality. Um, So how do you go about designing your courses? I guess that's my roundabout way of saying, like, how do you make sure you have that confidence? How do you figure out, first of all, what's the concept and then planning it and making it so thorough that you're like, yes, I could, I could totally sell this and feel good about selling it. Totally. And I think the confidence behind courses is like, there is a mindset shift that has to happen with selling with anything. Um, I think like you have to talk and hype yourself into really, truly believing because there can be a million Instagram courses out there and there absolutely are by bigger name educators and all those types of things. But you have to know that you're an expert at what you're an expert at. So really like falling back into that, I think is really important. But when it comes to creating a good course, I probably spend most of my time in the planning stage. So I map out a course map of what the flow and what like the different lessons and modules 
modules are going to look like? And also what is kind of the delivering point? Like, is it for beginners? Is it for intermediate? Is it a lot of tutorials? Like what is really like the delivering part? Because each of my courses are a little bit different. So um, getting super clear on what they actually offer, I think is huge. And so then that goes into outlines for each course, what each lesson is going to have. And then I break that down into like a filming recording schedule. Um, so I feel like that really helps. And honestly, my best tip for creating good courses is make them super short. Um, not necessarily like in the whole, like they're like not have a lot of content, but make your lessons super short, actionable. Um, cause I know that's what a lot of people say about my course and that's how I am as a learner. I want to take a five minute lesson and get something out of it that I can implement and take action with right away. Um, so I think just like learning about different like types of learning styles, I think is key. And like one of the ways to do that is honestly by investing in other courses. Um, you can kind of see like what's great presentations, what are good tutorials, like when do you want to do a talking type of video? Um, so you can kind of know what type of content, like when to add quizzes, PDFs. Like there's so many different types of content you can literally leverage for a course. So that planning stage really plays a role in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that being a student in a course is a great way to figure out how to be a good teacher because you see it from that perspective and you know what's valuable. And I think doing the short, really like bite-sized stuff is very smart because a lot of us feel like this, I don't know, expectation to be like, okay, I got to make like a one hour lecture because that's kind of what mm -hmm. school is like. You know, if you right. go to like college or university, that's sort of the vibes. And then you're like, okay, I've got to put together a 50 minute right. lecture with slides. but most people will be too intimidated to even press play on that because it takes so much time and would actually get a lot more value, value out of a, a more short um, bite-sized piece of learning. So I think that is a really good insight. Definitely. Okay, this is something that I would love your wisdom on because honestly, I kind of struggle with this because just hearing you talk, you clearly have like a long-term plan. You know, in this quarter, I'm gonna launch this. In three months from now, I'm gonna be doing another launch. How do you kind of map out your overall plan for your business and then decide what your time management is going to look like? Because I always struggle with balancing between how much effort should I be putting in directly to client work and acquiring that, that client, like the clientele versus making my own content. You know, there's, there's so many things going on in a business like this. So how do you map out, okay, what time am I going to spend on each of those things? Yeah. And I do plan a lot ahead, but not too much ahead. Like I like to think like a few quarters out and kind of just make my goals around that. Um, I feel like in general, like having three goals a month, three goals a quarter and three goals each week and day, I think is a really great way to break things down. Um, and I assign everything to me, like as a task, I give everything a deadline, whether there is a deadline. So I do that for my client work. I do that for each single part of launching something, creating a product, preparing for speaking engagements. I think just like being really organized is what I really fall back on. Um, and I think that looks different for everyone. I mean, I've talked about really liking Airtable, um, but I know like Asana works for people, Trello, like it really doesn't matter what you use, but having a system where you can stay organized. Cause I know that a lot of us are guilty of storing things in our brain and you really need to like, I love just setting out a doc, a Google doc and just brain dumping. What is that new launch going to look like? Am I going to do a different funnel reflecting on past, you know, funnels and how it worked, what didn't work, you know, all those different types of things. So I think, 
think just like having places to store everything and plan and add deadlines really helps me stay organized and on top of things, but also being flexible. Cause like I said, I'm like thinking of what I'm doing in 2020. Like I'm starting to think of those things, but I'm also kind of very much in the moment where I'm like, what am I focusing on right now too? Mm-hmm. And I think that setting deadlines is a very important part of that because it all is like self-imposed at the end of the day. Like as an entrepreneur, one of the best parts, but also one of the biggest struggles is that you don't have anybody telling you what to do. Like you have to figure that out for yourself. So have you ever struggled with like almost self-accountability of like, okay, I know I set this deadline, but I also know I could just move this deadline because I definitely am like that. I'm like, oh, I'll push it out another month. Um, Do you have any strategies for saying like, okay, no, I set this deadline and I'm going to stick to it, even if it's just for me? Totally. I think breaking things down is also really helpful for that because you might say, I want to finish a course by this date, but that means so many smaller steps that are going into that. Um, So I think that we often feel really overwhelmed because if you have that big task, that big goal on your to-do list with a deadline, you have to break it down and make it more bite-sized. So I find that that really helps me. Um, And I think the biggest thing is when you're like thinking of all the different moving parts and trying to be intentional about your time with them is like really coming down to like, the rooted purpose on why you're doing things. Cause I know I've had a lot of really great ideas and I'm like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Like I have tons of million ideas on my little ideas list, but I have to be intentional. Like what right now is serving my audience? What right now is helping me with my clients to serve them well? And how am I also making time for my long-term goals of maybe working a little bit less, taking more vacations, like all of those different types of things. So I think I kind of come down to my purpose too, where I'm like, does this need to be removed if I'm not prioritizing it? Like kind of thinking of those different types of things too. Mm -hmm. And I guess it all just comes back to having that really strong why of like, Mm -hmm. why am I doing this? What are my long-term goals? And you know, I I do think it takes time to figure out what that is and it can sometimes change and shift. Um, I feel like for me right now, I'm like in this very like existential mood of like, what does it all mean? What am I really meant to do? And It's just, I think sometimes you have to like sit through those moments and then figure out, okay, like this is my long-term goal and now I need to stick to it and like plan my life around it. Definitely. And I think that also could be the time where maybe you invest in a mentor or a coach or anything. Um, I think the coaching business is a little, it can be a little much. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I didn't invest in my first like mentor or coach or whatever you want to call it till I was two years in business. But I realized I was to this point where I'm like, things are going great. I know, I kind of know what I want to do, but I know I need someone that's 10 years ahead of me, five years ahead of me. That's where I want to be. So I think there's also value in getting another set of eyes in your business, whether it's like a one-time strategy thing, or if it's like you actually need like a mentor to guide you through those seasons where you kind of are unsure and need guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is definitely something that I've been like thinking about. And I'm, again, back to the like, oh, I can do it on my own. Like, I, you know, don't want to like look for the help because you feel like the sense of pride almost and like, oh no, I'm going to push through without it. But I do think that there is so much um, power in asking for help, finding somebody who is like those few steps ahead of you and getting the advice. Um, And I think it's like finding the right person too. Totally. I think that's the biggest thing is don't hire a coach or a mentor because you think you're supposed to like, wait till you find the right person that is literally doing what you want to be doing, but on a bigger level. Mm -hmm. Totally. 
So I think we, we have reached the point in the episode where it's time for the rapid fire round, Woo! which I'm ready. <laughs> you can <laughs> you can answer these as uh, rapidly or as slowly as you want. Uh, I just always love to, these are like my kind of nerdy specific questions because I'm always like a little bit nosy about how other creatives like do their yeah. thing. So that being said, first question is, do you shoot your own photos for Instagram? And if so, what camera do you use? I don't. I work with Christina Jones Photography and she's amazing. Or I just use my iPhone. <laughs> I love that. You know what? It's all about hiring people who are in their genius zone and getting totally. an expert to help you. So I love that. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are your favorite design programs? Because I love your graphics. You mentioned that you do get help with that. Yeah, I love Canva. And I know that's a tool that a lot of people talk about, but I really started to like it a lot more for just like saving templates, just like streamlining your process. So that's been like one of my favorite design tools recently. Mm -hmm. I honestly have been like kind of um, overly dedicated to Photoshop for a really long time because I learned how to use it when I was like a teenager on Tumblr and it's just like I'm so attached to it. But recently I've been using Canva and it's actually so good. Yeah, it's really good. I used to think of it as like, oh, that's just like the beginner version of Photoshop. Right. But I'm like, actually, there's a lot you can do. It's and really I, robust. Yeah. And I just love that like anybody can use it. There's a free version. Totally. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite social media scheduler? Oh, later. We yes. know this. I talk about it all the time. <laughs> I know. I am also a later person. It's just so good. Love it. Yeah. It's, I think like there's other good ones. Like Planoli is fine. Buffer's good. Like I'm, I'm all for recommending them because it's really what you're going to use and like, but yeah. I love later to death. I love them. Mm-hmm. Do you use it just for Instagram or do you use it across different platforms as well? So I actually really like Buffer if I'm going to really focus on Facebook. I don't really do Facebook yeah. as much anymore, yeah, but Buffer is great for LinkedIn and Facebook. Um, but, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I use later for Instagram and I actually do some client, um, like Pinterest scheduling nice. later too. So yeah, but I, I also don't do a lot of Facebook stuff to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you create your website? Did you make it yourself? Like it is again, yes. very beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I made it on Squarespace and I knew the absolute basics and that's what you see there. <laughs> it, it looks great. Honestly, again, Squarespace, I love Squarespace. I used I to be, it. again, a situation of me being like, I'm going to do it the hard way. I used to be like, I use WordPress, but now I'm like, Squarespace is yeah. so much better. It yeah, just works. It. Um, what are some of your favorite organizational and time management tools? So we talked about Airtable and I'd say that's probably one of my favorites. Um, I love it for content calendars, for streamlining things with my team, with my clients' teams. Like it's just, it's just one of my favorites. Did you find it was a big like learning curve? Cause to be honest, sometimes I see your Airtable stuff on Instagram stories and I'll be like, is she a rocket scientist? Because like, I do not understand this. It took me years of poking and playing around with it. And I still don't know how to use everything. Um, but yeah, I definitely say there's a learning curve because there is so robust. You could have it super simple, but, um, it did take me probably like at least a few months to really master it and learn all the funky things with it. But it's, it's great. I'm sure it's one of those things that once you learn it, then you're like, yes, this is like, I can, I'm so powerful now because I can do it all. Totally. Yeah. And it's, and I feel like a lot of like my, my clients, my team, like once they kind of see it compared to like an Excel sheet, they, they fall in love. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Those are all of my rapid fire questions. I um, always like to wrap up with, I feel like this is like the sucker punch of questions because it's just a really big one, but I, I always love hearing people's answers. And that is, if you could go back in time to talk to yourself right before 
you embarked on this journey of, of creating Soul Studio and doing, you know, creative entrepreneurship, what would you tell yourself then? What would be your like main message to tell your past self? Yeah, I, I'm going to say two because there's two that come to mind. The first one's like a very tactile one and it's separate your accounts right now. <laughs> Because it took me way too long to separate my accounts and properly save for taxes. So that's one of my biggest things. And then I feel like one that I'm really kind of learning and and on my own journey with now is like learning to rest, like understanding that I need to rest. I can't push too hard, even when I'm excited, even when I feel creative. Um, I've talked a lot about like experiencing adrenal fatigue and all those different types of things. And so I just think it's really important to take care of ourselves because like to pour into others, you need to pour into yourself first. Mm. I love that. That That is like so wise on both sides. Like be very practical. Like, okay, you need to get your financials yes. in order, but like no one to rest. That is so, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a lesson that I'm like learning myself. So yeah, I'm still learning with you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for coming on the show. Yes. Um, could you let everybody know where they can find out more about you and follow you online? Yes. You can find me at Soul Studio Marketing, S-O-L on Instagram. That's where I'm hanging out most times. And you can send me a DM to say hi. And then I also have a podcast called the Shine Online Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the Creator Club podcast today. Thank you. It's so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Creator Club podcast. If you listen to this entire episode, I want to know who you are. Send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Steckley so we can chat. Do you want to be part of the official creator club? You can join my insider squad Facebook group by going to katiesteckley.com slash club. I'd love to see you there. Finally, if you're looking for more value-packed content like this, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash katie. Go to my channel and search Instagram hacks, and I promise you won't be disappointed. If you want to hear more episodes like this and support this show to continue, please leave me a review in iTunes. It really helps me out. And you just might get featured on the next episode as the review of the week. Leave your IG handle in the review so I can give you a shout out. Again, thanks so much for listening. And as always, I hope you are having adventures and following your dreams. And I'll catch you next week, Creator Club.